Thank you, Michael. Thank you, worship team. It's good to see you this morning, church. What a blessing it is to serve uh, as pastor at Hunter's Glen. Thank you for making uh, a time of worship a part of your Sunday. If you're a guest, man, what a privilege it would be to get to know you at the end of our service. If you have time and you're available, my wife and I will be in the foyer at the end and just uh, say a word of appreciation again for you coming and being a part. If you have a copy of God's Word in print or digital form, would you take it and join me in the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, fourth book of the New Testament. We're going to look at a few verses together in just a moment. I covet your prayers. Uh, This coming week, I'll be leaving and headed to Austin, where I'll be leading a men's retreat uh, this weekend for a church that I served uh, for three years at First Baptist Church Round Rock, and we'll be meeting at Camp Tejas outside of Giddings, and about 30 or 40 men joining together. And uh, so I will be with them and returning next Sunday. I'm excited that you have the opportunity to, to hear from uh, my friend, Dr. Jerry Carlisle, next Sunday, who will be here preaching in my absence. Jerry is a, a longtime friend, served as a pastor in various churches across the Metroplex, an interim pastor, and currently uh, he serves as the president of the Missions Foundation through the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And so I know you will uh, be privileged to uh, be a part of a service with him next week. Then upon returning, we will begin the first Sunday in March, two weeks from today, hard to believe, but we will start our journey towards Easter Sunday and Resurrection Sunday, which is March 31st this year, five Sundays in March, and so we will begin that journey early together in the month of March. But that means, though, this morning... We are concluding our XO series, this understanding of love and relationships in the church and outside of the church. And I know some of you are going, thank you, Lord, I'm glad he's wrapping this up. This has been a journey of understanding love and all of these relationships that I'm supposed to love people and I'll do my best, you know. So we've learned about loving our neighbors, loving our enemies, loving our family last week, and then this morning as we conclude and wrapping up this idea of loving one another, loving our friends. In John chapter 15, let me give you some context so we read our story in relation to the entire chapter because I think it's really important for us to see this. In John chapter 15, Jesus begins here by describing how those who are called to be his disciples can and should grow in him to be like him, and the way that you do that is that you remain attached to him, so that you are attached to the vine, you abide in him. Yielding the fruit of a growing follower of Christ requires attachment abiding in Jesus. That's where he starts in John 15. He ends the chapter, he concludes this chapter, declaring that the world will hate those who follow Jesus, not because they simply follow him, but he says, because the world hated me, hated him first. And then tucked in the middle of that, beginning in verse 12, 
is this tucked in the middle of abiding in Christ and how we grow as disciples and how that relates to a world that wants nothing to do with us is this exhortation, this encouragement from Jesus to love one another. The NIV commentary says this, that in John 15, 12, the subject nature of the chapter shifts to the character of life among Jesus' followers. But notice, though, if you study the book of John, you would find that this is the second time that Jesus has restated, emphasized that his command for his followers is to do one thing, to love each other. In chapter 13 of the book of John, Verse 34, Jesus says it for the first time. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, so also you should love one another. And so as Christians, as believers, we model our love for one another as a reflection of the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. That's the important thing, because as we grow and we abide in Christ and we stay connected to him, knowing that the world is not going to like us and is going to hate us, it is the ability to endure all that by loving each other. So with that understanding, would you stand in honor of reading God's word, John chapter 15, beginning in verse 12, we're going to read through verse 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would grow and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Encourage you to keep your Bibles open. Maybe grab a pen and uh, find the listening notes inside your worship guide as we journey towards bringing this to a conclusion of loving one another. Commenting on the background to this passage, Craig Keener wrote these words. He said, the main ideals of friendship in ancient literature included loyalty and that loyalty sometimes, church, was to the death. But then it also included equality, he says, and mutual sharing of all possessions. And then there was this intimacy in which a friend could share everything in confidence. And so loving our friends is important to the life and the development of every Christian. Loving one another and loving our friends and having this confidence in each other 
is important to the life and the development of every church. And that's what we seek to understand better this morning. That is why, number one, abiding friendship is part of discipleship. Now, sometimes we, we kind of distance this word discipleship. It has so many different meanings. But I told our deacon body last week, we talked a little bit about discipleship. And I said, it is a spiritual journey of growth. It's, it's the simplest way to understand discipleship. That all of us are on this spiritual journey of growth. And we're all in different places. And we're all growing at different play, you know, stages and processes. But have you ever thought that part of the discipleship journey is friendship? He tells us in verses 12 and 13, this is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you because greater love has no one than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. Randy Newman wrote a famous song and that song is called you got a friend in me. Man, Toy Story. Love all of the Toy Story movies. The original Toy Story was directed by John Lasseter in 1995. 1995. And the original story tells us how this unlikely duo becomes great friends. Buzz Lightyear and Woody start out as enemies in life, but by the end of the film, they're great buddies. And I think the Toy Story movies themselves describe for us this importance for friendship and forgiveness and how important it is to be part of a community of other people. And so friendship, I believe, is key to the discipleship journey and the process of growing and being more like Jesus. Gerald Borchett states in the New American Commentary that this command required by Jesus in verse 10 to remain and abide and connect in Jesus is how we have the ability then to love one another. That remaining in him, connected to the vine, is encapsulated, he says, in verse 12. The core command for all of us. The command to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. And again, he's restating what he has already said. So it's kind of like mom and dad, kind of like being a parent where sometimes you got to say the same thing over and over again so it finally gets into their thick skull or you hopefully say it maybe slightly different or somebody else says what you're saying so the light finally comes on and they understand. Jesus knows I got to say this more than once for them to get it. So he comes back from chapter 13 to chapter 15 and he says the mark, the defining factor of an authentic Christian discipleship journey is how you love people, and particularly how you love one another. Loving one another is part of how we remain in Jesus, how we develop as a disciple. And so here's something to understand and remember as part of the local church family. 
that we need each other to grow. We need each other. Not only in this service, but in the other service. We need people in different social statuses and backgrounds. We need people that have a different preference in music styles or hour of the day in which they worship. And we're not opposing one another. No, we grow because of one another. We need each other. We need to understand. We need to value the importance of all people, no matter their differences, that they would find that they have a friend in us. As nice as it may sound and be to have online friendships, it can never completely substitute for our need, our desire, in the way you are hardwired by the Creator for physical friendships. And it may be time for some of you today to disconnect from the social side of things and reconnect to the physical side of things. And find and have and engage in true, real friendship. Loving one another. Having a circle of friends who are believers is an important aspect to this spiritual journey that we're on. It's an important aspect to our emotional health as human beings, as well as our participation in the mission of Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. That's why we have life groups at Hunter's Glen. On campus, the DNA and the heartbeat of our church is life groups. We're nearing 30 different life groups in three different hours on this campus on a Sunday morning. And it's great to just come to worship, but you are missing out on the command to love one another if you're not connected to a life group. You need that life, you need that friendship, you need that accountability, you need that connection. Why? Because the world will hate you And in order to endure that, you remain connected to Jesus and you have real honest to goodness physical friendships. Friends keep us connected. They help us grow. It's part of the discipleship process and we cannot ignore it. We cannot eliminate it. N.T. Wright, a great theologian, author, I mention him often to you, he wrote a book called John for Everyone. It's a great book. And he says, the command to love is given by the one who has himself done everything that love can do. When a mother loves a child, she creates the context in which the child is free to love her in return. When a ruler really does love his or her subjects, he says, when this becomes clear by generous and warm-hearted actions, he or she creates a context in which the subjects can love them in return. So John is making a powerful suggestion here about discipleships and friendships. John is suggesting that our love for one another is the single evaluation technique 
It is the only way of assessing whether someone is truly a follower of Jesus and remaining and abiding and attached to him. Not how often they attend a church, not what service they attend, not how much they give in the offering, but how well they love each other. It's the assessment tool. And staying connected and abiding in our friendships with one another is the assessment of how well we can gauge that Hunter's Glen is fulfilling the commandment to love one another and lay down our lives for each other. It's part of our growth. It's part of our discipleship. But don't miss the second half of this. Because the second thing, that once we understand that abiding friendships is connected in our discipleship journey, that then gives us the ability, number two, to have friendship with the divine. Verses 14 and 15, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What was the command? Love one another. And then he says in verse 15, no longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, underline that, for all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Think about it. Jesus is saying, just like the friends that you trust, the confidence and accountability that you have with someone, and you learn from them, Maybe you have older brothers and sisters. I had two older brothers. You learn from their mistakes. That made dad mad. I'm not going to do that. Thank you for being dumb on my behalf. Right? And so you, you figure things out. And if you have those friendships, then you are learning from them. And God says, I'm calling you a friend, and I'm going to tell you everything about what the Father has taught me. It's a special relationship with the divine. And again, referring back to Borchert and what he had said in his commentary, he says in about verse 15 that slaves are expected to obey even though the master does not explain the reason for why he gave the order. The master doesn't have to tell you why he wants you to do something. You're the slave. You do it. You don't ask questions. But he says the friends of Jesus, according to this text, are viewed in a completely different light. They are the objects of divine revelation because Jesus has communicated to them. He has communicated with his friends everything that he has learned from his dad. And the point of this passage is that servants and slaves are not expected to understand what God's will is for their lives. But disciples are not slaves. Slaves are not expected to know things. Disciples are. They're being offered this understanding that comes from a completely different relationship with the divine. And that relationship is based on knowing him, staying connected to him, abiding in him, accepting this divine purpose that he's given to me to love one another so that I can face all the trials and tribulations of this world. I like how Tony Evans says it. A master does not reveal things to his servants 
but a friend would reveal things to his friends. Think about it. Maybe you tell things to your trusted friends that you don't tell anybody else. And slaves and masters have a completely different relationship than friend to friend. And God reveals things to his friends, to those who seek to follow him, those who seek to obey him. So it begs the question, are you a friend of the divine? Or are you not? The Old Testament, which is highly important to all of Scripture, the Old Testament only calls two people the friends of God. Two. One of those is Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. It says that the Lord spoke to Moses as a man speaks to his friends. So Moses and God had this unique friendship and relationship, and God didn't speak to him in some you know, divine voice of sorts, although it was, he spoke to him like someone would a friend face to face. But then there's a second person in the Old Testament that's called a friend of God, and that is Abraham. Abraham, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, it says this, Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? So Abraham and Moses are the only two in the Old Testament who are ever identified as friends of God. But Jesus in this text in John 15 now comes and says, "All of those who follow me and who obey me are my friends. If they remain in me, they abide in me, they love one another, we have this friendship, and I'm going to teach them and train them all the things that God has taught me." Not Facebook acquaintances with Jesus. Not social media followers, but actual friends of the divine. The characteristic of being a friend of the divine is following the commands of the divine. Love one another. Lay down your life for your friends. Again, NIV application commentary says, where true friendship exists, True disclosure or revelation accompanies it. The proof of our love is not in our feelings. The proof of our love is in our actions. All the way to the extent, Jesus says, that you would die for one another. It's a powerful friendship. Because remember what 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says, why would we die for one another? Why would we have these types of friendships? 1 John 3, 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to do the same for one another. If we are friends of the divine, then we should be near the vine. If we're friends of his, then I'm connected and I'm near 
the vine because I'm a friend of the divine. And if I'm not abiding in him and I am not loving my friends and loving one another, then when I face opposition in this world, it's, it's gonna take me down. See, we remain in him, beginning of 15. We love one another in the middle. Why? So that when the world hates us, we can endure all things. Friendships are powerful. They're amazing relationships. And Jesus says, those who are my friends have a job to do. And that job is verse 27 of chapter 15. Look as we close. Jesus says, you will testify because you've been with me from the beginning. John documents these words about being a witness to others. On behalf of Jesus, because we're friends of the divine, then we tell everyone about the vine. We tell others, we declare our friendship to a watching world because it is a loving way to share with them who Jesus is. We share Jesus with our neighbors. We share Jesus with our enemies. We share Jesus with our families. We share Jesus with our friends, with each other. We spur one another on, what? To love and good deeds. That's the kind of love that can transform every relationship that you engage in every person you come in contact with. In church, that's the kind of love that can change a church family. And when we don't see one another as the opposing ones, but as friends, all moving in the same direction with the same goal and the same mission to tell the world about Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for my friends in this very room. I thank you for my friends in the other service. Thank you for new friends in my life. I thank you for friends across this state and around this world. God, who has spurred me on in trials and struggles. God, who have been faithful, who have been challenging, who have held me accountable. And Lord, I thank you that today I can say with my lips, I'm a friend of God. I have a friendship with the divine. And he teaches me and tells me things from, from his father that can help me grow and be more like him. And I thank you for every friend in my life who is a friend with the divine who can tell me things from his father. Can help me grow in this discipleship journey trying to be more like Jesus. I thank you for my friends who have helped me up when I failed to accomplish that task or achieve that goal. God, I pray for those here in this room this morning who have never declared you as their friend. I pray that if that's you today, that in a moment when we stand and sing that you might make your way just right out the back doors to an area called Next Steps where some wonderful people who today could become your new best friends can tell you about how you have a friendship with Jesus. 
We also have some staff available here to you at the front if that is more of a preferred method for you. But I pray that in this moment, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the prompting of his word in your heart and your mind, that he's calling you as a friend today. That he laid down his life for you so that you might be able to do that for your friends. And maybe you've made that decision and you'd say, Pastor, I, I need to follow through in baptism. I need to take that step of obedience. I, I need to join this church family and connect with a life group. It's time to be connected to the body of Christ and abide in the vine and grow and love one another so that when this world throws hard days at me, the worst days at me, that I can still say I'm blessed because I have a friendship with Jesus. I can endure all things. Maybe God's calling you to step out and follow him in a mission or ministry endeavor that he has given to you. It's time to answer the call of the friend. My friends, I pray that in these remaining moments before we leave in the rest of our day that you be obedient to him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together and the power of your word. And Lord, help us to be friends with you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.